Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is John from Seven Dust and Projected, and you are on the Hook Rocks with Jay Scott. another edition of the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast i'm your host jay scott thanks for tuning in once again always appreciate everyone listening thanks for man giving us a great first part of the year i mean we have had some amazing numbers in terms of the growth of the podcast compared to last year i think we're close to like 45 to 50 percent growth in terms of our audience so big thank you to you uh, always appreciate you stopping by and listening. Always appreciate the feedback. So if you have a chance, please write us a review and let us know what you think of the interviews, of the topics we talk about, of the new music we always spotlight. Uh, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, as I always mention. Please follow them on social media at Pantheon Pods. And check out all the great music-related podcasts on their platform. They've got something for everyone uh, I always name my friends like Tom and Zeus on the Shout Out Loudcast, as well as Martin Popoff, the Rock Historian, Mistress Carrie, Decibel Geek, Mac from the Ugly American Werewolf in London. He's a Florida transplant now living in London. And don't forget also the Hanging and Banging podcast with Vinnie Apice and Carmen Apice with local Chicago promoter Ron Anesti. So check out that great platform. Don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get all the latest Hook Rocks episodes. We're approaching 400. We'll be here uh, during the summer, our three-year anniversary, and our 400th episode should probably happen around the same time. So 
We're looking forward to that. We've had some great episodes recently. We had Joe Satriani on. We just had John Connolly from Seven Dust. We've had, man, uh, Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy. Mark Tremonti talking about his new album. Mark Tremonti sings Frank Sinatra, which sounds incredible. I can't wait for you all to hear here at the end of the month. Some great new music spotlights, too, as well, with Estet, Stone Broken. We just had Native Sons on. And plenty more for that, you know, for 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 a, a new music, a new rock music. So always uh, look to check those out, and don't forget our live album review of Kiss Alive. So that uh, is a special episode with Rob and the Hood, the Recidivist on Twitter. And we've got more new great music to talk about. One of my favorite guests. He's been on the show twice now. This is his third time, and he's got some new music to finally talk about which is very exciting because I know we kind of touched on it the last time he came in he was in the studio recording it. The album should be out next Friday, May 20th. So we're excited about that. So we'd like to welcome in Pete Dankelson, you know, him from Pete's diary, but he's got his own band. He's got his own EP out that we're going to talk about here. What's going on, Pete? What's happening? Hey, doing good. Well, I'm excited. You got to be excited. I mean, this is one week away from your music, like that you're putting out there for everyone to hear. I know we've heard the single Girl in a Magazine, which has just got a killer riff that just keeps driving and driving. It's just very reminiscent to, to a bluesy ACDC song. Yeah. Uh, it's got that touch to it. So how does it feel, man, to be on the on the verge of this finally coming out? It's exciting, especially after it, you know, being in the works for so long, it feels so good to finally, you know, uh, almost be at that finish line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've uh, put a lot of work into this. This is probably something that you've been working on, not just in terms of playing, but, you know, the concept, right. You know, Mm -hmm. like what you wanted to do, what you wanted to sound like, all that goes into preparing for the music and writing the music. Um, What's that process like for you? How did this all begin? So this whole uh, thing really started uh, in 2020 when uh, the pandemic first hit. Um, basically through, um, I think I talked about it before, but, you know, I, I uh, was involved with School of Rock for a long time, you know, at my local School of Rock in, uh, in Libertyville. And um, I, I became friends with one of the, uh, the, the drum instructors there um, named Ryan. And basically... Um, it was just kind of a, I forget kind of how it came about, but it was just, we started jamming together and hanging out um, and kind of, especially when COVID first hit, I kind of had a bunch of ideas just kind of on my phone and we just kind of started jamming together and just kind of started coming up with ideas. And then that's basically what happened for the whole summer of 2020 and uh, uh, winter of 2021. It was all just the two of us, we just kind of hang out and just basically put together ideas and uh, jam together. And then in the spring, uh, about a year ago, really, um, you know, it was the, the big question between the two of us was, well, you know, who's going to stay? Who's, and we got to find a bass player. So, you know, did some looking around. And uh, from School of Rock, um, uh, a good buddy of mine named Mac, um, we, we jammed with him for a little bit and, uh, you know, he got involved and, uh, the whole summer we were just jamming together, coming up with the set list and writing tunes. And then in the fall, we got in the studio and recorded. So it's been this whole long process. Um, 
And it's, yeah, and it's just, it feels good to finally, uh, <laughs> finally get something out there after, you know, being at it for quite a while. Yeah. One of the amazing things about you that, you know, we had a chance to meet at the Dirty Honey Mammoth show. Yep. And I was amazed about how many people came up to you while we were there saying, Hey, I follow you on Instagram. You're amazing. Hey, I follow you on this social media platform. And it was so awesome to see just people, you know, not just, not just introducing themselves to you, but respecting you as a player too, as well. And we've heard your story. We, 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 we know, you know, the influence that you've, you've become on social media, but now it's gone into another level, right? It's another step into your music journey, which yeah. is writing and recording music. How, as far as the journey goes, was this what you always wanted? Was this what you expected? Or did this just kind of evolve as you became more involved in, in playing guitar and social media and, and, you know, kind of being an inspiration to a lot of people? You mean like uh, coming up with the original music? Yes. Yeah, I mean, this was always kind of the uh, the big goal. It's something that I always wanted to do. You know, ever since I picked up the ever since I picked up the guitar, it was always, um, you know, you you start learning for so long, and then you just kind of start um, coming up with ideas. Um, and you know, when you're first starting out, it could really just be something like you know combining two wrists together, <laughs> and then kind of trying to evolve it from there, and maybe shape it into something a little bit different. Um, and then you just kind of keep getting better at it slowly, the more you keep playing and cause you know, the more tunes you learn and the more, um, uh, the more you grow musically, uh, the more you can kind of come up with stuff on the guitar. And I love playing along with, uh, drum tracks on YouTube. I'll find a beat or something almost like a, for me, it, it's kind of like practicing with a metronome, but it sounds more like a drum. It's not just like a click over and over. Um, so that's how I'd kind of start writing stuff and then, you know, send it over to Ryan and we kind of talk about it or if he'd come over, I'd bring up the rip and we'd try it out and stuff. So that was um, kind of how that uh, came about. But writing music was always kind of the, the big goal. You know, when you think of the stuff that you play online, the rips, you know, the, the, the famous licks you play from either ACDC or whatever artist that you're playing and then going into creating your own, Right what is the biggest challenge when you kind of go off and do that, you know, where you're, you're not relying on what, you know, you're kind of learning something new. Yeah. Well, it was really fun in the studio, especially with guitar solos. Cause like, um, basically, uh, you know, you come up with the riff and the song and then it would kind of be done, but really, um, it was a lot of fun in this, in uh, especially when, you know, approaching things as a solo, uh, you know, with a solo, um, I think it's pretty, you know, if, when people listen to it, I think it's pretty clear that Angus is definitely a forefront influence uh, in my playing. And at this point, it's just kind of like second nature. Um, <laughs> and um, what is it? But it was really fun because uh, there's kind of a few different ways you can approach it. Um, it could be like completely off the cuff, like you're just kind of going for it. Um, like, you know, the progression and how it's going to go but you just kind of jump into it and just play and see what happens. Um, or you can prepare a solo beforehand and do that. So it was kind of fun to, uh, you know, to pick each song and be like, Oh, okay, here's a solo that I kind of wrote for. And then here's one that's just kind of completely off the cuff and just kind of experiment 
really for the first time, you know, what that's like um, and kind of diving into that. I really liked it a lot. It was just kind of fun to see what you like more like, okay. Um, and just kind of listen to the stuff after. Is it more just picking up the guitar and just playing, see what comes out? Or do you hear a melody in your head before and you're trying to work it out on the guitar? Yeah. Well, um, like the solo and girl in the magazine, um, when we, when we kind of came up with that one, you know, once I, it was fun because we kind of like recorded a rough demo before we went into the studio. And so I had the rhythm, like a rough rhythm track. So I knew what I'd be playing over. Um, and then with girl in the magazine, I had that kind of opening. It's really kind of a melody to the solo. It starts off with like an octave slide kind of thing. And that was something that I heard in my head. And then you just kind of, you know, do the melody again. And then the licks were kind of random. So it was like a combination of written and uh, improv. So it was, it, was, uh, it was fun to kind of do that. And how do you approach the solos? You kind of touched on it a little bit. I remember reading in an interview with Ace Freely um, <laughs> and how he tries to put a song inside a song with the solo. Yeah. You know, like there's, there's, when you ever hear Ace play, his solos are unique in that, you know, there's a beginning, middle, and end. There's not just, you know, a guy wailing and then that was it. I mean, he, I mean, if you hear the solo for Shock Me, you yeah. know, which is a very underrated solo because mm-hmm. it's long and it's got different parts in it. It's like a song within that song. How yeah. do you approach that? Is it, is it similar? Um, a little bit. Well, um, okay. Like one of the tunes off the EP is, is a uh, amputation. It's the last one on there. And that one was just kind of a, you know, it's really aggressive, fast in your face. So at that one, it wasn't really more of a story. It was just kind of more of a trying to match the vibe of the tune. Like, um, like with amputation, it's kind of aggressive and, and uh, fast. So the solo is kind of more reflecting on what, what the feeling of the, the tune is and kind of going off of that um trying to think if there is a solo like that um uh another lonely night that was kind of a quick one um but that that one um was kind of planned out and i think that one kind of carries along the song in a cool melodic way so it's it, i don't know it's different songs can kind of pull different things out of you uh, it's kind of interesting different ways to approach it it could be a story or it could kind of reflect the emotion that's kind of the main thing there with me. It is. A, it is very interesting how that develops, you know, because okay. you've got the melody of the of the song, the rhythm, the song itself, and you have this part in the song where you kind of have your your artistic freedom to kind yeah. of put whatever you want in there. You got to fit it to the song, which you know, which is important. But it's always interesting to hear people's approach to that because, like you said, you brought up something really important that it's got to fit the mood of the song. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times have you heard a song where you hear a solo and you're like, it's a good solo. It just doesn't really fit the song, though. You know, I mean, and that sometimes happens when someone's trying to overthink a solo or overplay a solo. Right. You know, ACDC, I think, does it the best or one of the bands that does it the best that really kind of slips that solo in and out kind of seamlessly, you know, where, where it, 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 it keeps that spirit and that mood of the song. Well, and I think I read too, in an interview, Angus said, you know, he, for solos, he's like, it's not, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but if I remember right, he said something along the lines of, you know, the songs there, you know, the solos for him, it's just kind of putting a little bit of color on top and kind of fitting the mood of what that, what the tune is. Um, 
I think that's how he approaches it. Yeah. From the beginning of this journey to now with the album out in a week, the EP out in a week, you, when you think back and you started it, it had to be excitement. There had to be like, wow, this is really going to be cool. There also had to be some unknowns, right? Because you've never done anything like this, you know? So, I mean, that has to be a challenge too in itself that to keep going, you know, even when you're frustrated, even when the song that you hear in your head is not coming out on the guitar, you know, and, and kind of fixing that and, 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 and making it work. How, how did you overcome some of those challenges recording your music for the first time? Yeah, well, I, that's kind of a, um, kind of the most nerve wracking thing about doing this is it's for all three of us, it's our first time really writing original music and kind of diving into that for the first time. Um, so it's a little bit, it was really exciting, but it was really intimidating because it's kind of like you're, it's like, is this as good as I can do, especially in the studio when you're kind of putting everything down? It's like, okay, is this the best that I could do? Um, cause you know, it, it's a little bit of pressure. Um, but to me, I think that was kind of the most nerve wracking thing is it's just kind of writing original music for the first time and kind of wondering, you know, uh, if you have what it takes. Yeah. I, I imagine there's a lot of trial and error too. I imagine oh, there's probably a lot of stuff that didn't make the album that, yeah. you know, that, that maybe needs a little bit more time in the oven. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. There's like, yeah, there's dozens of stuff on my phone. There's like, um, demos of us playing in the garage and it's like oh yeah I forgot about you know looking at it now after you know recording quite a while ago and hearing some tunes and I'm like oh that'd be fun to revisit um or stuff like that we haven't really dove into that yet <laughs> I'm just kind of like let's just kind of promote the EP and all that but it's kind of like I think everybody is itching to start writing again because it's only uh five originals and um <laughs> And, you know, to do a three-hour set, it's like, okay, we have, like, 20 minutes of original material, and now we have a huge list of uh, of covers to do. So <laughs> so I think everybody's kind of wanting to, to write again. Yeah, I mean, you're a creative spirit, right? And you have to keep creating for you to be satisfied as a musician and yeah. as an artist. And I've, I've always – so I love asking that question is how someone stays connected with a song that – you know, I, I interviewed John Connolly from Seven Dust, and one of the things he said is this album that he did, this project he did with guys from Alter Bridge and, and from Tremonti, was that album was done two years ago. Yeah. And I was like, wow, like, how do you keep that in within you for two years? Because as a creative person, you're pretty much on to the next thing, or you're wanting to do the next thing. Right. So that's always interesting the way how people answer that and how they how they stay connected to it. You know, um, I like to ask you that question a year from now when you're writing other music. How do you stay connected with that first stuff that you that you wrote and, and that you uh, that you finished? Yeah, it is funny because <laughs> it's like no one else has heard these tunes yet. But I mean, <laughs> I've been listening to them for like, you know, a year, you yeah. know, granted without like vocals and stuff with with everything done it's really been since uh december i think no january really so it's like i've heard this forever now and it's just kind of like <laughs> yeah. kind of like if i have to hear you know this thing one more time uh, but i'm looking forward to people you know hearing it but it's just kind of funny how you can uh i don't know if get tired of it is the right word um 
but it's like, <laughs> it's just kind of funny how that can work sometimes. What did Don Henley say? He said to be a, a, a musician, you've got to have a high tolerance for repetition. Yeah. Because <laughs> you play the same songs all the time. Yeah. And you got to, you know, you got to push through them. I, I was just thinking, too, when you said this about having stuff on your phone, I remember mm-hmm. George Lynch saying when he was on the show that he wants to release a box set of just like the 30 second licks that he has on his phone uh-huh. because he's got so much, you know, that the material that he just stores on his phone all the time, yeah. you know, whether it's him humming a melody, whether it's him just noodling in the studio or whatever. And then I think a Richie Kotzen releasing that 50 for 50 album yeah. about all these songs for the last 10 years that were unfinished, mm-hmm. but he just made it, you know, made the effort to finish all the stuff that he'd been working on, you know, yeah. just having all these songs that, that just were just sitting there waiting to be finished or waiting to be connected to something else. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how that process works for guitar players, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's really cool too. Out of time. And then completing it, I was scrolling around um, on my voice memos, just kind of looking for stuff. And I scrolled to the very bottom all the way back to like 2018. So I'd only been playing for like, at that point, um, like a couple of years. I mean, not not that long at all. Um, but I was scrolling down and I was listening to some stuff just to kind of see what was there. And uh, I, um, uh, one of the things on in, in uh, September of 2018 was the riff to amputation. So it's just kind of funny how, you know, you have something that you, that you wrote so long ago and then it's kind of, you know, brought to life now. And I remember too, just kind of, thinking about it um when me and ryan were jamming um we had this one thing it didn't make the uh the ep but it was the first thing that we kind of started messing around with um it was just kind of like you know we we played this one song over and over and he's like you got anything else (laughs) so you know pulled up voice memos and was looking through some stuff i'm like oh there's this riff and it was uh the main riff to amputation i was like okay let's give it a try not knowing how how it would go at all um, and so he just counts me in and I start playing the riff and I'll never forget. As soon as I start playing the riff, we both just kind of look at each other and go, Ooh, that's, that's pretty cool. Like, it was like, like that, like, we, like, uh, we both knew that that was something, uh, pretty cool and exciting. So it's, it's so it's, it's fun to have those moments when, when a riff or something just kind of clicks and everyone's feeling it. Absolutely. And then you've got the song, Don't Stop Staring. Yeah which you originally recorded, you know, a year or two ago. And what was that like revisiting that song and bringing it to life with more of a harder edge to it? Yeah. I, I love what, uh, I love what, uh, uh, I love what we did with the song. Um, it was really exciting because uh, it's, it's pretty straightforward with the with the riff, it's basically like a, a blues. Basically, um, it's really straightforward, but it was really fun to play. And uh, there's two solos on it. The first one is a, a slide, which I, I didn't have one on the you know in any other song. So I was like, oh, this would be fun to do. It's kind of a tip of the hat to that uh, acoustic one, and um, just to kind of mess around with the slide. And it turned out really good. And I don't really, uh, I don't consider myself that like experienced or like well like rounded up a slide player. So to kind of take that risk and do it and it turning out pretty well was really exciting. And then the last solo, 
it's kind of a, it's a fade out on the record. So there's the solo and then it, it fades. That was all just completely off the cuff. And uh, it's one of my favorites. I, I really love how it turned out and the drum beat too. And that singing, it's really neat. And then what was really cool. Um, we were almost done. Like it was our last day in the studio. The vocals were done. We were doing like little overdubs. We're just seeing if there was something that we could put, um, you know, to maybe, I don't know, have some fun on a track or something or see if something fun would fit. And um, uh, right before the drums kick in on Can't Stop Staring, there's this kind of squeal. It's like a really funny high-pitched sound. It's actually my hearing aid. So it was just kind of a funny, um, I don't know. Some people might be like, what's that sound? But it's like, if you know what it is, I think uh, people would get a kick out of it. Um, Magic that happens in the studio sometimes, you know? Yeah, it's, it could just be like a funny idea. So mm-hmm. I forget who said it, but it was like, Peter, what if you like, uh, you know, had your, held up your hearing aid up to the uh, uh, mic? What, what would happen? So I'm like, I don't know. So we tried it and then we got it to feedback. And yeah, it was, it was just kind of a cool little, uh, Easter egg, I guess you could call it. It's like, if you know, you know. <laughs> the first track on the EP, Girl in a Magazine, to me is is a, a the big highlight of the album. Yeah. Very well done. You find yourself moving your foot to it, tapping your foot to it. It's yeah. got a great, great riff. It's got a great driving beat. Um, it's got a great hook. Mm-hmm. How, did, how did that song come come to be? That was really fun. And actually that was the last one we wrote. And that was, that was the, it was the only song that wasn't like an original demo between me and Ryan. So to me, this song really gets me excited because it was the first song really that all three of us wrote together. And it being to me like a, a highlight on the EP, it's just kind of exciting of what, of what we'd be doing moving forward. Um, but it really started out. I came up with this uh, uh, riff. And I actually did it with a TikTok duet. There was a drummer over this, and I duetted it. And uh, it was just kind of like, to me, it's got a total unapologetic like slash vibe to it. So I was like, this is pretty cool. And um, uh, so I did it and, uh, you know, posted it online. And it actually did really well. A lot of people were enjoying it and digging it. And Mac actually saw it and commented. And he's like, hey you know, that's a really good riff. I'm putting something over this right now. And so I forget, but like a couple of days later, next time we hung out, uh, we were messing around with that riff and it just kind of fell out um, the progression and chorus and all that. Well, he, you know, now it's coming back to me. <laughs> he had this like, um, um, this kind of chord progression. We just kind of mashed the two together and it, it turned out great. And it kind of wrote itself really. Um, musically and then he just kind of went home and just kind of messed around with some lyrics and stuff um but yeah and just kind of messed around too with like some of the um you know the riffs and stuff kind of moving around uh but it turned out really good it was a lot of fun to to write when i hear this album and i hear you playing i i I hear the influences because i follow you on social media and i know who you like and i know who you really you know gravitate towards yeah and you know obviously there's the angus influence there's the slash influence Mm -hmm. there's the there's the jared james nichols influence Uh you know um how does when you play Mm -hmm. right because you 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 
probably predominantly listen to those guys and probably some other guitars guitars too, but those are really the main ones that I hear. Mm -hmm. Do you hear that stuff in your playing or do you just play and then you hear it and then you're like, wow, it's kind of got that tone. Yeah, I definitely could kind of hear those influences in there. Um, you know, striving, trying the best, you know, to, to try and find my own voice, but it's like, it's easier said than done. So, um, I don't, well, I don't I think, think you sound like one particular guitar player, right? <laughs> I think when you when I hear your playing, I hear Angus, Jerry James Nichols, Slash is the most. And it's kind of yeah. like meshed together, right? <laughs> it's And it's the Pete Dankelson sound, right? It's the yeah. Pete Dankelson tone, you know? And that's what it comes from. Those three guitarists, I think, really are 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 your are your heaviest influences. You don't sound, you know, any anything, you know, exactly like them. Yeah. But that's what that's what I hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned Jared, too, because his amp's in the background, and that was used on the whole EP. So <laughs> I guess you could say Jared. He's a great guy. He's he's awesome. I got the chance to see him again for the first time in a while at the Black Label show uh, last weekend. It was it was great to see him again. I was going to go to that show. How Was that your first time seeing Black Label? Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty awesome. intense, isn't it? No, it was it was fantastic. But it was great. Yeah. I mean, it was a, I mean, you know, Jared, uh, Jared opened, and uh, Nita Strauss from uh, Alice Cooper's band, uh, she opened up for Black Label as well. So it was just like a night of just you know guitar extravaganza. <laughs> right, right, and all three different styles too. You know. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah that's that's the amazing thing. I've seen Black Label so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's it's basically a big shot of adrenaline for an hour and a half yeah yeah uh but it was it was great so i got to uh see jared and talk with him and he actually brought me backstage and uh do you know the story of his uh his guitar uh dorothy that uh that gold top i've seen it but what is the story yeah so basically it's um uh it's a 1952 yeah it's a 1952 uh gibson Paul, and basically I, i think it's one of the first ones ever made so it's like it's a really it's a really special guitar, and um, there's a whole post about it too. But it it, it survived. Um, well, it didn't quite survive. Uh, if you see a picture of the body, it, it was in pretty bad shape. Um, but he had, you know, basically the the body of that guitar was all that survived a uh, tornado, and he had it restored. I think um, I remember hearing this now. I remember. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so he he had that guitar restored, you know, brought back to life, and he's been playing it. Um, you know, using it. And so he brought me backstage and I got to hold the guitar and play it, which was really cool to basically, you know, play a piece of history. Yeah. And what was really cool after too, um, and, you know, got to say hi to uh, Dennis um, and the rest of uh, the guys. And he, and I got to watch a uh, black label from state. I got this one on. So that was, that was really cool. Yeah. I remember seeing the, the, the black label for the first time. And it was just like pow, like they they once once they start that show, they don't let you go. No, no, yeah. I it's, mean, it's, I mean, yeah, it's just perfect. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's intense. Yes, yeah, yeah. And then you, you saw uh, Buck Cherry too, as well, right? Yeah, well, it was great because um, was I think it was like a Thursday night. It was the Black Label show, and literally the next night was a uh, Buck Cherry. So it was just like a whole twenty four hour period of just uh, rock and roll. So it was it was great. Yeah. What would you think of Blacktop Mojo? They were awesome. I yeah, yeah, they were really fun to watch. I really liked them. They did a 
was I liked the the original. Um, it was the first time kind of hearing some of their stuff. They yeah. did a great cover of a Zeppelin's uh, "Whole Lot of Love." Yeah, so it was really- no, they're they're a great band. I've seen them three times. So like a week before you did all that, mm-hmm. uh, my son and I we started off Thursday night seeing the Warning downtown. Yeah, and yeah. they were fantastic. And then we saw Buck Cherry at Blacktop Mojo at the Displains Theater, mm-hmm. which I, I grew up in Displains. I had not been to that theater yet, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday night, we did Classless Act, mm-hmm. uh, Joyous Wolf, and Dorothy, which was a tremendous show, too, as well. Yeah, that was at uh, House of Blues, wasn't Yeah, it? House of Blues, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's nice to be in concert season. And you got a gig coming up, too. Next Friday at the House of Blues, which yeah, is I'm, so, I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, and with the yeah with the House of Blues, um, uh, yeah, we'll be in the restaurant area, and it's basically like an EP, the Crossroads area, yeah, yeah. So it's like an EP uh, release party. So we we'll playing, you know, <laughs> the first twenty minutes, you know, will be the EP, and we'll kind of, I think we'll repeat it throughout the night as people kind of come through. Like I think we'll play it a few more times, and it's just a you know bunch of covers. Um, so it'll be it'll be fun. We're looking forward to it. It's. I always love the journey each artist takes. Um, it's one of the reasons the idea behind this whole podcast is like, what hooked you on rock and roll, which signifies the beginning of your journey in, into rock music. You know, we all have that moment. And, you know, for you and playing music and, and using music at first to kind of be a way of healing and be a way of, of really kind of you know, being interested in something through all the, the challenges that you went through mm-hmm. and, and now to be where you're, you know, a, a full on musician releasing music and writing music, mm-hmm. it's gotta be, you, have you had a chance to reflect on that and just say, Hey, you know, where I came from to now with this album. I mean, this is, this is pretty incredible. I really, you know, it's funny. I guess I really haven't thought of it. <laughs> Yeah, it is something to think about. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, when you first picked up that guitar and, and you know, you, you found your connection with that instrument, <laughs> which I always find beauty in, in, in that story. You know, when someone hears the guitar, picks it up and plays it, you know, and I, and I think we talked about this last time about how the instrument in itself is very limited to what you can do with it right and there's only so many chords there's only you know so many ways but everybody has their own kind of spin you know and i've used that example where you can put the rolling stones in one room and you can put zeppelin in the other room and they can listen to the same exact blues guys which they did right they're all influenced by the same guys (laughs) and come out and have a completely different interpretation and a completely different sound. And Paige can sound completely different than Richards mm-hmm. with a limited way of, you know, so many things you can do on a guitar. Right. And of course, there's been innovators like Hendrix and Eddie Van Halen and others. Paige yeah. himself was an innovator too. Mm-hmm. But it's just interesting how, you know, that, that journey just takes people in a different path. And they hear different things. I always love that 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 story people have. It, yeah, it is interesting because I mean the guitar it can really, and I mean the guitar can really be kind of a different vehicle 
you know, for what you're trying to do. For me, it could be, you know, just trying to express myself emotionally, kind of the excitement of a good riff and stuff. For someone else, it could be like, you know, a singer songwriter with an acoustic and the simple chords. It's just, there's all these different, yeah, it's really interesting uh, how to approach it, uh, the instrument. It's it's really cool. Yeah, because you mentioned just something right there, what you just said about how you're playing is indicative of your emotion right singers get to sing and you can hear the emotion in their voice they have that they have that that instrument in their voice that make you know that they can feel the emotion you can feel their mood for a guitar player sometimes they don't intend to play that way but your surroundings and what's happening in in your life at that time really does affect your tone and your mood and how you sound right yeah how do you, when you have that happen to you and you're playing and you have, you have something in your head, but your mood is making you play it differently. How do you reconcile that? How do you, how do you find that path to, to, to hear what you hear in your head? Or do you just allow yourself organically to kind of go with what mood you're in? Um, you know, um, I think if I am kind of messing around with something, or if I am feeling, um, you know, like if I'm feeling down or something and I have the guitar and I'm playing, maybe I'll fire up, I don't know, a backing track, or maybe I'll just kind of let voice memos, you know, just kind of leave that on for a while and mess around, you know, just kind of, you know, let it all out really. And then maybe later, you know, you listen back and maybe something kind of like a melody might pop out or something, or maybe you, you play something uh, a certain way that kind of catches your ear and you're like, well, what if you can, take that and, you know, mix it with this, or you could, you know, if you have something else in voice memos too, which is actually what happened with all screwed up, you can have two separate things and combine it together and get like, you know, one, one piece now. So there's all these kind of, you know, uh, different, different, uh, you know, things you can do. One of the tracks on the album that I really enjoy too, especially with the, uh, with the riff is another lonely night mm-hmm. and you kind of touched on that too, as well with, with that and, and, and the riff, how did that song start out? How, how, what was the process with that, uh, with, with the riff into the, into the music, into the lyrics? So that, um, let's see. Um, I remember coming up with the riff. It, it was really just at home. <laughs> let's see. I remember coming up with the riff at home. Um, just kind of messing around. And then, uh, you know, one of the times Ryan came over, um, you know, I'm like, oh, hey, I got this, got this idea. What do you think of it? And so, um, you know, kind of, he found the group to it. We were kind of messing around with it. And it was just kind of the riff. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what should we do for a verse? I'm like, well, what if it's just like, you just hit the E and that's it for the whole verse. It's, It's really straightforward. It's just that one chord for the whole verse. And I'm like, this was before Mac was in the band. I'm like, I could see like, you know, it gives, it would give, you know, it would give Mac room to kind of put something kind of the the vibe that was already kind of coming off of it was kind of uh, sexy. <laughs> you know, I kind of had something to it. <laughs> sure. Uh, it's just kind of the groove with it as well. It's kind of like, okay, I could, I could kind of see a direction this could go in. Um, and then the, actually the, the chorus was a really fun thing to come up with because it's kind of a funny, it's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of funny to play. Um, I, I kind of forget how that came out. Actually, I think 
that was another thing that was in voice memos that I had. And I'm like, well, okay, well, what if I take that? Would that work in this scenario? And it did. And I'm like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. Um, uh, and then I remember we were messing around. It kept going and going. You know, you could, you know, you keep it going. Okay, you got the verse, chorus. Okay, well then let's go back to that that E. Okay, chorus again. And then I remember we were playing. And I'm like right on the spot. I'm like, well, wait, what if it does like the whole lot of love thing, which is like the bam bam, and then it kind of does the you know. Um, so it's almost like a build up to the solo. Um, and then the solo that popped out for that demo is actually the same. I kept it the same every time I played it. I really liked how it turned out. And that just kind of started as off the cuff. Yeah. So that was kind of that that was another kind of fun solo that was improvised, but I really liked how it sounded. So I kept it the same every time we did it. Um yeah. Was the intention always to do an EP or, or was there, you know, was there just the effort to just put the best songs that you felt were ready to, to be, to be put out? <laughs> um, yeah, I think we were going to try and do like, like, um, I loved like, um, like Dirty Honey's album is only eight songs. Right. So like, oh, I mean, 29 minutes, I think too. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, we could probably do something like that. Like I'm, I'm thinking, oh, we, we could probably do eight songs or something. Um, and then by the end of the summer, I think it was just like, okay, well, we got these these five tracks that are sounding pretty good. Really, it was writing forward because Can't Stop Staring was, you know, kind of already existed. Um, so it's just kind of like, okay, well, we could, I, I think the EP would have, you know, less expensive too. So it's kind of like, okay, well, we could do the EP. Um, let's see. And actually what was really funny in the studio, we did uh, five, you know, the five tunes. And, you know, the first day, how you usually or there's lots of different ways you can record, but how we did it, you know, it's kind of the building, I guess they call it like building block, you know, drums first, bass and guitar and all that. Um, so we were, I thought we were done with the drums. So I was like, okay, you know, day one done. And uh, basically there's like the live room, the control room. So I was like getting ready to pack up and Mac comes back in the room and he's like, Hey, we're going to do this one, you know, cover of this one song. So I was like, really? I was like, uh, okay so so we did the cover of this tune and uh let's see and then yeah so that was just kind of a last minute add-on and that'll be out as a single i don't even know when we haven't really thought about it <laughs> but that's kind of a surprise so i haven't really uh <laughs> we'll kind of reveal that later on but it was it was funny how uh how that kind of yeah so it was really a uh, six things we recorded so that was fun you know now that you've accomplished this and you've you know, getting ready to release this. Is this something, you know, is going in the studio and making music something that you consider you enjoy? I I love the studio. I had a blast. It was so fun. Um, it's it's a bit tiring, especially we, we did everything like, I mean, I think usually, you know, you keep things going for a while. Like you don't usually, do, you know, you don't do the drums all in one day. It usually might be like a few days or so, but we got every instrument done and like a specific day. So like it was a, a Saturday, it was drums. And then that Sunday it was bass. And then the foundation was like, the Mac and Ryan had to go to school. Ryan's a, a teacher. Um, and you know, Mac's still in school. So I just went back up Monday. So it's just me <laughs> doing the guitars, which is great. Cause <laughs> they, they didn't, uh, 
you know, it didn't bug me or say, you know, hey, I don't like how you did the solo. So I just got to, <laughs> I got to kind of do my own thing and they they had to like it. <laughs> now this is, now that, you know, this is coming out here in a week, what's the plans for the album? What's the plans for your summer with playing out? I know you did Summerfest. You jumped on stage last year with Buck Cherry mm-hmm. and you're able to do that. What's, what's yeah. next for you in terms of performing? Well, um, really, um, it's just the, uh, um, let's see, I think for the summer, we're just going to keep trying to figure out how to do local gigs, gigs. and we'll keep writing as well. We actually have a new tune um, that we kind of came up with that, that we'll be playing at the House of Blues, I think. So that'll, that'll be fun to do. So we're still going to keep kind of uh, messing around with some stuff, I think. And I think it'll just be like writing along the way this time instead of like, okay, we got to write to do this thing. It'll just be like, okay, we might just keep writing and writing. And then, you know, if we have enough songs, we'll do something again. Um, but I don't know. It, it's so tricky to kind of, uh, you know, figure out how that would go. But for the summer, it's just playing. It's just, yeah, just kind of uh, figuring out how to get more shows. Do you feel with now now that now that you have original music do you feel different now when you're going to be playing live you know like you've got your own stuff for people to hear yeah it's really exciting and to see that people are liking it and you know digging it uh it's really cool especially you know uh we've done we had a few shows where you know we played the songs all the songs live and uh, the reaction was really positive so that you know that's exciting um, and it got me fired up. That's like, okay, you know, maybe I, you know, cause you do have that little bit of doubt, you know, I don't know, doubt, but you know, nerves, like, okay. I think I talked about it earlier, but you know, just kind of nerves of, can I do it? Like, how's, how's this going to go? Um, and to see people like, you know, digging the tunes and, uh, seeing that it's pumping them up and making them smile. I'm like, okay, cool. This is, this is really exciting. I got to tell you, you know, when, when I heard the single, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And I was, I loved it. I mean, like I said, I mean, it's got a great groove. It's got a great rip. It's got, it just, you know, I always like those songs that just like, like, it's just, it's like a, tr- a train just chugging along on the track. Yeah. Yep, you know, I, I love when I get that vibe from a yeah. song. When you, is, is that what you heard in your head when you were, when you were putting that song together? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, this is fast, exciting, fun. That's 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 what I strive for when I write something. Uh, and I think kind of the thing that's uh, really prominent all throughout the EP, um, or at least what I hope it does, is like every song's got kind of a groove to it that you can kind of tap your foot to. Because I love writing stuff that's catchy and that's got a hook. Like the main riff to All Screwed Up, I think has a really fun shuffle thing to it. Um, Girl in the Magazine was really fun. Amputation. I mean, all of them, I think, kind of have something um, that you can kind of tap your foot to. It's just kind of, you know, I don't know, make you happy. Or make you headbang. I don't know. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when you think of your influences and you think you're what you're able to accomplish with these songs, you know, uh, you, you, you accomplish what you set out to do. You know, you made great music. You made fun music that people can listen to that people can put on at a barbecue or at a party. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, really what you want. That's what rock and roll, you know, that's the essence of rock and roll, right. You know, from Chuck Berry to the Beatles to the stones to Zeppelin and on, you know, to ACDC to Aerosmith, you know, it's that 
stuff where you can all kind of bond together through music. Yeah. And that's, you know, when you can accomplish that. I, I, I will ask you this, because we had I had this conversation. I don't know if you heard the um the, the episode I had with my friend Mike in California, who's the luthier. He has the guitar shop in, in Hermosa Beach. And we did the simplicity of ACDC. Uh-huh. I don't know if you heard that episode. I don't think but, I did. What's that? I don't think I did. What, yeah, what yeah. yeah. Well, he talks about everyone who claims that ACDC is really easy to play. Oh, it's simple. They're like, and he's like, it's not. The, yeah. the simplicity is where the challenge is. Yeah. Is where the difficulty is. You know, when you can make something sound so simple that people think that it's easy. And one of the things that he said too, which was, which is so true. When you think of ACDC, when you hear their guitar riff, you don't just hear the guitar riff. You hear the bass and drums yes. along with it. Yep. Yep. Always. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and, and so when people have that idea that ACDC is simple music, they don't get it. They don't get the difficulty and the challenge and how that song goes into your memory bank, through your eardrum, through your ears and into your brain and how it stays with you. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said about how, because if it was, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Right. Right. And I mean, it really is kind of the marriage of those two guitars, you know, Malcolm's Gratinatus is SG, mm-hmm. kind of how the two sounds mesh together. And, you know, it's really funny, you know, having, having the one ear, <laughs> I never really did get to it. I always loved it, obviously, but never really did get to appreciate the um, the stereo, you know, having Angus on the right side and Malcolm on the left. And um, uh, I, uh, I was in the car a little while back, uh, or like in the backseat, and uh, I could hear um, in, in the car stereo, I could for, I don't know, just I guess how I was sitting, but like um, I could prominently hear Angus on the right side and Malcolm on the left. And I was blown away again. Like I fell in love with the band all over again. I was just like, holy cow. Like that's, that's such a great sound. Yeah. You know, and when you think of girl in a magazine, it's got that same type of spirit where it doesn't sound too complicated. Doesn't sound, you know, like these shredders that you hear that can play a million notes at once. It's simple, Mm -hmm. but it's memorable. And that's the key, right? That's the key. I mean, you can, you could play as fast as you want to play, not everyone's going to remember that, but they're going to remember the rhythm guitar in Back in Black. They're going to remember right. the, you know, the, the, the riff in Highway to Hell, you know, that mm-hmm. sounds, it's basically three chords, but they're going to remember that for their, for their whole entire life. Right. And even like, um, like the solo and amputation, it's really, yeah. it's kind of aggressive and fast at the beginning, but when it does that chord change, it goes, uh, does like a little key change, um, the, the solo also takes a bit of a different direction and it's more melodic. It's like a, um, but you know, it takes a bit of a different direction. It's more sweeter at the end. Um, so it's just kind of fun to kind of like balance that out. Like it can be in your face and kind of, you know, fast and aggressive. And then it kind of like, you know, you could kind of shift it a little bit at the end and make it sound a little bit, bit sweeter. So it's kind of fun to, to mess around and see what, what works best. Was that improvised on that solo in amputation or was that something that you played um, out? The first half was, but then when it does that chord change, I kind of had that planned out because it was kind of like, okay, well, I could just kind of play in the same scale, but I'm like, no, it's doing that chord change there. You should take it in a bit of a different direction. And then that kind of popped down. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a cool way to to finish it off. It's a bit more sweeter, kind of, kind of eases it back before the riff takes you away again. 
So I thought I, to me, to me, I thought it worked out pretty good. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I, I think it's uh, it's fantastic. Everything on it is great. Um, I appreciate you coming on and doing this. I'm really excited to see you next Friday at the House of Blues in Chicago. For mm-hmm. all my Chicago listeners, I know there's quite a few down in the Crossroads uh, bar where there's usually, you know, Chicago blues guys playing while you're eating. Pete's going to be down there. What time does the show start? Yeah, it's nine to midnight. It's going to be a nine to midnight. Day. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's uh that's a, that's an old school show right there. I know. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you know, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to hear it. Um, man, it's always great chatting with you and talking with you and, you know, wish you big success with with this ep and the in the music yeah thank you i'm looking looking forward to seeing you on uh on friday Looks yeah i'll be there with uh with my son which you had the pleasure of meeting too as well and yeah. i know your your brother knows my uh my son through hockey or some type of deal with that so that'll be yeah. exciting too as well yeah yeah yes we'll, we'll try and get yeah we'll get jake down there too <laughs> <laughs> well pete man i appreciate you doing this yeah, no, it's, it's always good talking to you. Thanks for having me back on. Anytime, man. Absolutely. The new single is Girl in a Magazine, and the EP is all screwed up. It's Pete Dankelson. Check him out. The album comes out everywhere next Friday. And for those attending the Chicago show, will there be physical copies there that you can get? Um, there's a CD. That's That's pretty much it. And then there's okay. like t-shirts and stuff but but awesome. for music it's the cd yeah awesome well i'll be getting that so okay. everybody that's pete dangleson i'm jay scott this is the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast stay strong stay healthy take care of each other we'll chat soon thanks It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.